Good evening, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you. Happy Wednesday. It's nice to see all of you. I'm glad that you could be here with us on campus tonight here at Grace Church. And for those of you that are joining us via live stream, Facebook Live, we're glad that you could be with us as well, wherever you are. We still, of course, have several people uh, out due to sickness. And also, we have some folks out uh, due to uh, Bible quizzing uh, nationals in Branson. And uh, I'm going to not steal anybody's thunder. I will let them report whenever they return. But uh, they have done, they've done well. And, of course, we're very proud of them. Do I want to make just a few announcements this evening before Brother Dave comes. Uh, first of all, I want to remind you, and I want you to please listen closely. Uh, this coming uh, Sunday, the 25th, we will have a blood drive here at Grace Church of Central. And there is uh, some si uh, sign-up sheet available in Grand Central. Now, Sister Sheila Landry is very stressed about this. She wants, no, actually what she asked me to do was to please stress this. I told her, I'm not stressed about this at all. My blood pressure is running at an even keel whenever it comes to the blood drive. But uh, if you are um, able to give and, and have the time to do so, please check out the sign-up sheets uh, that are available in uh, Grand Central. There are different time slots available and uh, we would appreciate you taking part in that if you can. Also, I want to remind you that uh, next Wednesday, the 28th, uh, we will have a missionary with us. Now, I, I had to look up how to say his name, and he will correct it whenever he gets here. It depends on where you're from. If you are of Spanish descent, the last name is said another way. But since he is the missionary to Hungary, I looked up the Hungarian pronunciation, and I still can't do it right. So rest assured, what I'm about to tell you is incorrect, and he will clear it up when he gets here. But Brother Robert Chea, who is a missionary to Hungary, will be with us uh, next Wednesday night. And then finally, all of our men, we want to remind you that Saturday the 31st, we will have men's prayer in the A Center at 9 a.m., and we hope that you can join us for that as well. And as always, you know that you can stay tuned with what's going on here at Grace Church just by clicking on the events tab on the website or by checking out the church app. God bless you tonight. I'm excited to hear what Brother Dave Bunch has prepared for us. I know it's going to be good, and uh, we look forward to seeing you here again on Sunday. God bless. Well, thank you, Brother Jason. Good evening, everybody. How are you doing this evening? It is great to see all of you along with Brother Jason and uh, also those that, can, that are joining us on Facebook Live and live stream. We're so glad that you are a part of the service tonight. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for just a moment before we turn to the Word of God. We have a couple of things we want to go to the Lord in prayer about as, as, our, as a Grace Church family, as a Grace Church community. Uh, as Brother Jason has mentioned, there's a host of people that are sick tonight. Uh, just a wide range of our Grace Church family still sick, battling illness. And we want to lift them up in prayer tonight. And then just before church began, uh, we got word this evening um, that the Taylor family stands in need of our prayers and our support tonight. Uh, Brother Darren, Brother Ryan, Sister Kelly, their mother passed away. Uh, this evening, just, just moments before church began. And uh, our, our hearts are grieved with them. Uh, we, are, we are saddened by this news and by this loss. Of course, there will be more information forthcoming on how you can be a blessing to the family. But, but for now, the best thing we can do is lift them up to the Lord in prayer. And so before we go any further tonight, I would like us to do that together 
as a church family. Can we do that? Lord, we thank you tonight for your mercy, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you are an ever-present help in time of trouble. And I just believe that we walk no path that you have not prepared, that you have not gone before us, that you have not approved for us. And so tonight, Lord, all of those that are, that are ill, that are sick tonight, across the spectrum of Grace Church family, I just pray that you would heal them to the uttermost. I pray you'd be with them tonight. And I pray for the Taylor family, Lord, especially for Brother Darren, Brother Ryan, Sister Kelly. Lord, wrap your arms of, of comfort around them. Let your spirit be truly a comforter to them, to the family, Lord, to the grandchildren. To all of those that are affected by the loss tonight, Lord, be to them a God. Be to them a comforter. Let them feel your hand in, 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 your, in theirs, Lord, and in, in that you're leading them and guiding them. We ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Would you just say in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. You may be seated. Thank you for your prayers. I want to take you to the Word of, 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 of God tonight, of course. And tonight is a little different. Um, I, as this unfolds, I, I think it'll become clear. I'll give you more of my heartbeat and more of my, my thought process of, of how we've arrived at, at the topic of which we're studying tonight. But for starters, to begin, I, I'm going to ask you tonight to, to just... At, at least figuratively, let, let's gather in together. You're, you're fine where you're sitting. You don't have to move. But, but collectively, in our minds, in our imaginations, our, our hearts, our thoughts, I'm going to ask you just to kind of gather in. Maybe, maybe in your mind's eye, take yourself to a place that's peaceful, con, uh, that's con, contemplative, where you can contemplate some of the deeper things of God, some of the deeper things of the Word of God. I want to go... Beyond the surface level tonight, I want to go a little deeper, and, and, and what I have to share is challenging, but I, I want us to consider some things biblically um, through the Word of God, through the lens of Scripture, and so you may want to, you may want to turn your cell phone on to, uh, to airplane mode where you're not getting your push notifications. I think for just 30 minutes or so, it would be okay to shut off the distractions, and let's, let's just take some time to, to, to meditate and think together about the wisdom and the riches of the Word of God. So with that uh, somewhat cryptic, I understand, introduction, let me take you to uh, a text, and then I'll, I'll give you my title, and we'll, you'll, you'll understand where we're headed here. I'd like to read Psalm chapter 90 to you in its entirety tonight. If you would turn there, it'll be on the screen. Um, if, you would, if you would follow along with me, 17 verses out of the book of Psalms. Chapter 90, to be specific. The psalmist writes, the writer writes, Moses, as it happens, writes, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or even thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and this is where it gets a little heavy. So, thou sayest, return, you children of men, for a thousand years in your ciders, but yesterday when it is past, and a watch in the night. Thou carriest them away with a flood, they are asleep. 
In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. And in the evening it is cut down and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. And then one of two focus verses is verse 10. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. And then verse 12 is our second focus verse. And really our text, really our title will come from here. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom and then thankfully like I hope to do here tonight the writer gives us some hope he says return O Lord how long let it repent thee concerning thy servants O satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants and thy glory unto their children. And he ends very beautifully with this statement. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou So here is a great contemplation, a great meditation on the brevity of life and how our days should matter to us, how we spend and invest our days should matter to us, should be very important to us. So from that text, from that contemplation tonight, I'd like to talk to us for a few moments from the subject to number our days, to number our days. I've been contemplating life and its brevity over the last week or so. And there are good reasons for this. There was a a horribly tragic situation that happened in the Live Oak community just this time last week when a young man from the Live Oak School District was tragically and accidentally killed and passed away. It, It sent... Uh, just a a very sobering note to those that knew him, to the students uh, and and teachers that were close to that situation. And then just as a general rule, I I tend to think along these lines often because in October I will be 45 years old and I, I did specifically let you know that I'll be 45 in October so that you can start now purchasing all of my birthday gifts, give you plenty of time to plan ahead. Um... Some would say that's middle age. But as I will demonstrate here in just a few moments, using 70 as a benchmark, I'm actually not middle age. I'm two-thirds age. I've only got about a third of the ride left to go. It's also interesting to consider that when I, when I indicate that I'm 45 years old standing before you tonight, there's probably half here tonight that thought, wow, he is really old. And there's probably another half that thought, wow, what a young man. 
And, and that right there just demonstrates a lot about our perspective and our thoughts about our mortality. But, but, but either way, no, no matter what, I realize that I am bringing to light a very sobering topic, a very, a very serious, hopefully not morbid contemplation. If that is so, if you find it to be sobering, then that's, is, that is because that is exactly how it should be. Uh, a great apostolic writer and scholar, teacher by the name of Jeremy Painter said this. He said, those who refuse to contemplate such things or be puzzled by them have little chance of becoming sincere students of wisdom and theology. So as difficult as it is to consider our own mortality, it turns out that it is a very scriptural thing for us to do. And so I will tell you I had a lot of trepidation about this message and this topic. I, I went back and forth. Maybe I ought to just let it go and move on. But for two reasons I did not. Number one, I feel strongly compelled. I've been at it long enough now to know when, when I've had just kind of a, a really neat idea of, on my own and, and versus one where I feel like God has spoken to me. And I can tell you, I've heard from the Lord on this tonight and have not been able to get away from it. But then secondly, I'm comforted to know that I'm in the Scripture. I'm, I'm, I'm inviting you in to consider with me what the Scriptures command us to do. And that is to consider our days, to number our days. And so tonight I invite you to consider this with me. And while there's really no way to make this an aisle-running, pew-jumping, exciting, you know, sermon or message, if you'll hang on with me for just a few minutes, I will take a turn just like the psalmist did in our reading, and I'll end hopefully on a positive note, and I'll give all of us some hope as we traverse through this message. So please work with me through the, through the serious part, and we'll get to a more encouraging part towards the end. So in Psalm chapter 90, our text, uh, we, we, we know from scholarship this particular psalm was authored by Moses. I hope you realize tonight that the book of Psalms, while while mostly attributed to David and largely attributed to David, he was not the only writer of the book. And in this case, we have a psalm written by Moses. In this chapter, along with, with many others in Job and Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes together, known as wisdom literature, wisdom writings, they, they teach us collectively that a wise person will pause and ponder the paths of his or her life. It's wisdom to step back, to, to take a few moments to, to puzzle over and contemplate the hard questions, the bigger picture, to, to realize where we fit in or, or maybe sometimes feel like we don't fit in the larger scheme of life. This wisdom, this wonderful book and all of its wisdom cries out to all of us and it begs us to slow down and ask us to focus on what matters most and to live intentionally. And that's, that's the message tonight where I really want to end up is to live intentionally in time so as to be prepared for eternity. To say it another way, instead of just counting our days, we should make our days count. You've heard that. I think that's wise. So verse 12 of Psalm 90 is, is most arresting. It's where I drew our title tonight. So teach us to number 
our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. The truth is, when we consider this, no matter how much we beg time to slow down, we all succumb to the limit of our time on earth. And it seems to me the older I get, the faster time goes. So by the, by the time we understand the value of, of life and the value of our time, usually it's at a point in our life where we become much closer to the zero hour. In other words, we don't fully appreciate the opportunity we've been afforded on this earth until most of it has passed away. Even Moses, the author of this psalm, as irreplaceable as he seemed to be, to the children of Israel and to the canon of Scripture, even he passed away at some point in time. But it is in verse 10 where he really plums the depths of our willingness to really be honest and to really strongly consider our mortality when he writes these words. He says, the days of our years are threescore years and ten. That is 70. The days of our years are 70. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore or eighty years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. It's interesting to me, um, I had all this ready to go. I uh, was, was looking forward to sharing it with you tonight. And I picked up the uh, Wall Street Journal today. And on the front page there is a headline that says, Life Expectancy Declines. And I, I found that absolutely fascinating because I've been living in this for, for the last few days and on the headlines here, life expectancy declines. And why that, the reason that is newsworthy is for the first time since 2003, life expectancy has declined. We, we as Americans can expect to live about 77.3 years according to the statistics. It's the lowest it's been since 2003. There's a lot of reasons for that, including COVID, and we don't need to get into all that tonight. But the, the point in my bringing that up is I felt like this really confirms what the Scripture has always said, that we can expect on average, if, you know, if by reason of strength and God grants us those, those years, somewhere between 70 and 80 years. And this is where, in my message, I want to be so delicate and I want to be so careful... And I certainly want to be respectful. I've, I've told you I, I've come to grips with where I'm at in my, in my life with just two-thirds or with two-thirds of it gone. I want to be respectful and I don't want to cause any kind of undue anxiety. And I, I realize tonight there's people listening in the live audience and online that are in that age bracket now. And I'm, I'm certainly not trying to reflect in any sort of negative way or, or, or call that out in any kind of negative way. But, but it's truth and we have to consider it and we have to think about it. And, and, and here's the reality because this is where we're all in the same category. It doesn't matter whether you're in that 70 to, 70 to 80 bracket or you're a young person here tonight. When you really get down to it, none of us are promised tomorrow. None of us are promised the next breath. And so really that's the great equalizer regardless of how old or how young you are here tonight. We're really all in the same boat. We have no promise of tomorrow. And that's exactly all of that to say why Moses says, teach us to number our days. Teach us to make the days count because they are so finite. To further focus in on this idea 
that we have 70 years potentially, if by reason of strength we may have 80. I want you to consider what, what again, I'll reference the scholar Jeremy Painter has to say in his excellent commentary about this verse. He says what the writer is getting at and, and what the concept is behind this idea of, 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 of 70 years and if by reason of strength we have 80. The author is inviting us to consider counting our days instead of starting at zero and going to, let's say, 70. He's inviting us to start at 70 and count down to zero. And it's a much more sobering way to think about it. So if I'm 40, when I turn 45 years old, I'm not really turning 45, I'm turning 25. Because the difference in 70 and, 20, uh, and 45 is 25. I only have 25 years left. It's a convicting thought. It's a sobering thought. It's, it's, it's an unforgettable thought. It, and, 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 and when we begin to think in that way, it, it, it causes us to obtain maybe a little bit of that wisdom that the psalmist is talking about. That, that, that we're considering our lives from the amount of sand left in the hourglass not the amount of sand that has already been used. And so if we, if we think that way and we consider life that way, we are far less likely to think of ourselves as self-sufficient. It forces us to look honestly and soberly at these facts. So an illustration out of Scripture. Let's consider a man who had a very personalized and sensational encounter with God concerning the brevity of his days. Look at your neighbor and tell him, say, the handwriting is on the wall. Daniel chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. Again, if you'll turn there with me, if you want to read it on the screen. A little bit of a lengthy reading, but, but hang with me. Here's a guy, Belshazzar. We're going to see he had a very sobering encounter with the brevity of his days. Belshazzar the king, chapter 1. Verse 5, made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which is in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. So this dude is having a party. That's what this is saying. He is, he is living with no regard to tomorrow. He is living it up. He is having a party. Verse 3, they brought him the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives, his concubines drank in them. They drank wine. They praised gods of gold, of silver, of iron, of brass, of wood, of stone. So they were committing idolatry, worshiping false gods. Sounds a lot like our society today, doesn't it? Partying and worshiping false gods. But in the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand. And rode over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. And that got his attention. And the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him. So that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. And the king cried aloud, bring the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, whoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof, shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck, shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. 
And the story goes on, of course, they couldn't do it. His wise men and astrologers couldn't interpret it. We go all the way to verse 25. They bring the man of God, Daniel. And Daniel says, I'll tell you what the words on the wall were and I'll tell you what they mean. Verse 25, this is the writing that was written. Meeny, meeny, tickle you Pharisee. Meeny, meeny, tickle you Pharisee. Some scholars believe that these words are Aramaic in origin, but probably, most likely, they were a, a divine uh, language that God created, a supernatural language to which he gave Daniel the interpretation. And we find just a couple of chapters later that, that uh, Daniel interprets this and gives the literal trans, uh, translation, which is as follows, uh, to Belshazzar, God has numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Thou art weighed in the balances and are found wanting. The kingdom is divided and giving to the Medes and Persians. That's what it meant. That's what that phrase was interpreted. It was a solemn warning and an announcement of the impending judgment that was coming to Belshazzar and his kingdom imminently. So from this, the reason I bring this up, from this we can, we can discern a, a couple of things that are very important when we're, when we're contemplating our days, when we're numbering our days, to number our days. There's a couple of things that we can do uh, that we learn from Belshazzar and Daniel, the divine interpretation. And so let me just take you through this. The first one is to take that word uh, mene or mene, which literally means numbered. It just means numbered, and it was repeated for emphasis. Meaning, meaning, you're, it's numbered, it's numbered. It's, it's an emphasizing that, that Belshazzar's days are numbered. And that's a challenge, again, to all of us, as I've already demonstrated, that our days are numbered. But it's so easy to forget that fact. We, with all of our living, our day in and our day out, our, our coming and going, and all the things that we do, it's easy to forget that our days are numbered. We, culture, society, people, tend to live literally like there's no tomorrow, like Belshazzar was living. We live like there's no tomorrow in the sense that we don't invest our time wisely. We, we, we give up valuable time chasing after meaningless things. And the Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed once to die. We forget that fact. And so at least part of Belshazzar's Sin was that he wasted his life. He, he was spending it on the wrong things. He was investing it in a life of leisure, a life of, of party and living it up and, and, and no regard to the future. And that was at least part of the sin of his life. He didn't realize how short his life was in the context of eternity. Had he grasped that truth, perhaps he would have lived his life more intentionally and after the one true God. So when we realize that our days are numbered, again, that word means numbered, meaning means numbered. We realize our days are numbered. We realize the, the, the absolute, uh, uh, just a, absolute need to make them count, to make them count. So not only are they counted, but we need to make them count. Only following God, I want you to get this, only following God and living for Him gives us the kind of deep significance we crave and we, we were created for. Only living for God, only serving Him and serving others as our service to Him gives us that deep significance that we crave. 
And you see people all uh, across the spectrum that, that are craving significance. And so they, 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 perhaps they engage in philanthropy. Perhaps they try to build a, a company and, and name it after themselves. Whatever it is, their, their riches or whatever they do, trying to earn some sort of significance. Maybe it's that they fly out to space, right, as we've seen this week. Trying to gain some notoriety and some, some form of significance. Not knowing, not understanding, not realizing that it'll never be found in any of those things. It'll never be achieved. Chasing after the wind, the Bible says, can only be found in serving God and applying ourselves to the eternal concepts of the word of God and his kingdom. So, so teach us to number. Teach us to make our days count. The second word that, that came up on that handwriting on the wall was the word tikel or, 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 or tikel. And it just means weighed in the balances, or we might would say weighed in the scales. If you, if you, if you, if, if you look at your life and, and look at the balance, is your life in balance? It, it, or is it out of balance? They used to talk a lot about, life, uh, about work-life balance. And now they're saying that that's not achievable. That's probably true, by the way. That, that wasn't, that's not a trick... I'm not trying to trick you anyway. I, I think based on my research and study on, on trying to be productive and, and then also in my personal experience, it, it probably is a myth that there's a work-life balance. What, what they teach us now, the conventional wisdom is, is to be intentional about how you spend your time. Be very intentional about how you spend your time and allot it based on your priorities and on what matters most in terms of your life goals, in terms of your key relationships, like your family, in terms of your aspirations and what it is that you hope to achieve to, to, to create accounts in your life of, for family and relationship and, and service to the kingdom of God and different things and to invest your time a, a, as measured as you possibly can and as intentionally as you possibly can into each of those accounts. And that probably is a better approach. But, but regardless, no matter what, there is a limit on our abilities and our resources. There is a limit on this thing called time. And we need to carve out time to, to, to be intentional and look at whether or not our life is in balance in that context. Are, are, are we working too much? You know, are we, are we playing too much? You know, the, the opposite extreme could be true. Are, are, we, are we overlooking important relationships, key relationships? Is our family suffering over some pursuit, whether it's a hobby or, 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 or a job or whatever? So, so take stock of, take, take account of, and see if your life is in balance. Your days are in the balance. How is that weighing? How is that looking? We're taught in American culture. We love, uh, we love to, 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 to beat up American culture, and probably because... It deserves it. But we're taught in our American culture, and it's made us believe that we can have it all and we can do it all. With, with, with no, you, you know, there's no limit. There's no limit. You can, you, you know, you can go a million different ways in the course of a day and sleep for two hours and get up and do it all tomorrow and expect your health to just, to just hang in there with you. You know, you can spend money, spend money, and then get down to your credit cards and, and keep spending money. And, and, and you can have it all without regard of, of when and how you're going to pay all that back. But that's what the culture tells us, is that there's no limits. You can have it all. You can be it all. But time, our life, is very finite. 
There is a limit to our time. Again, the psalmist said probably something like 70 to 80 years max. It's human nature that when we have a surplus of something, that we tend to waste it. I want you just to consider the example of food. We're in this country very affluent in, in terms of, of really just in every category, but in terms of food, we don't lack for food. Uh, we go to the grocery store, we buy what we want. It's, it's all there in the kitchen, in the pantry, at the restaurant, whatever the case may be. And so we're probably a little more wasteful with food than maybe somebody that has a, a lack or a famine of food because there's an abundance. It's human nature not to treat it quite so valuably. The same is true with time. We perceive that we have an abundance of time. We, we perceive, we think, we live like there's plenty of it. And so we probably waste it more than what we should. And so the idea here is, again, the balance. We must number our days and keep them in balance. So if you made it through all of that with me, and it looks like you did. I, I didn't see anybody nod off. If you did, you were discreet about it. If you made it through all that with me, now let's get to the good part. Again, I, want you to, I wanted to, to, to present that. I wanted you to consider that uh, because it's biblical. It's scriptural that we do so. But now let's talk about the good part. Let's talk about the days that we all have left. The good news is it is not too late. To start living your life and making it count. Living your life and making it matter. If you're still living today, and you all are, <clears throat> those listening on live stream are, then you still have the opportunity. Uh, you still have time. I, in my study, coined a phrase. So this is the words of wisdom according to Dave. And you can hashtag it and put it on Facebook. You, have made, uh, you may have made a mess of most of your life, but it's not too late to make the most of the rest of your life. That's about as clever as I can get right there. You may have made a mess of most of your life, but you can still make the most of the rest of your life. There's a real interesting idea at play here. I, want you to, I told you we're going to go deep tonight. We're going we're to contemplate some things. So consider this with me. Let's, let's go deep tonight. We can know the past, right? We know what happened in the past, but we don't know the future. But while we can do nothing to change the past, we can change, at least at some level, the future. That's interesting, isn't it? Knowing things and changing things are almost mutually exclusive. So you, you can know the past, but you can't change it. You don't know the future, but you can change it. And so those, there's a dichotomy there. There's an there's a interesting uh, opposition there, uh, opposing ideas there. And, 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 and the key word there is that they're almost, almost mutually excuse, uh, exclusive. There is some slight overlap between knowing and changing. And this is the domain of wisdom. Wisdom gives us a certain degree of foreknowledge. Based on the wisdom that we have gleaned from past experiences, we do have at least a certain amount of 
foreknowledge. That ability to anticipate what is ahead based on the knowledge gleaned from what lies behind. And that knowledge is called wisdom. And in light of this foreknowledge or light of this wisdom, we can make choices that change the future. The only aspect of time that is changeable. It's an interesting thought. It's a deep thought. But the bottom line of all of that is this, is that you still have time to rearrange your priorities and be what God created you to be. And that is a very liberating and exciting thought. You still have time to get your priorities in order and realign your life around what God wants. Let me tell you a great story tonight. I told you some time ago on a Wednesday night in Bible study about a former Nazi that had been baptized in Jesus' name up in Muncie, Indiana. Boy, it was just a great story. Well, tonight I've got a story on the other side of history. This guy named Joseph, J-O-S-E-F, Joseph, so it's probably not pronounced quite like that. He's an 89-year-old Auschwitz concentration camp survivor. He is a Polish Jew who after the war immigrated to England and on to Ireland, eventually converting to Christianity, and he actually became an Anglican minister. Our apostolic United Pentecostal Church missionaries in Paris, the, the Bracas, have had ongoing contact with Joseph since February, this past February, when he reached out to them from his Paris hotel where he resides. After several Bible studies on the oneness of God, Joseph said, I've never believed that God was three persons, although I couldn't explain otherwise. Joseph has preached Jesus in his local synagogue. Remember, he's a Polish Jew. He's preached Jesus in his local synagogue, and he's seen several of his folks filled with the Holy Ghost. Upon expressing an interest in being baptized in the name of Jesus, he was baptized in the name of Jesus by the missionary there in Paris. And they report that when he went, he went down in Jesus' name, came up, and he was jumping up and down and rejoicing as much as his 89-year-old body would allow. And so now he walks the streets of Paris sharing Jesus and praying for people. And uh, the missionary Brockus reported that there is an extra pep in his step and a new fire burning in his heart. The point is, is it's never too late, no matter how old you are or how old you feel, to become what God wants you to be. Amen. 89 years old, baptized in Jesus' name, walking the streets of Paris, shouting the name of Jesus and sharing the name of Jesus. And so Jesus gives us some amazing instruction along this line. And this is where we start focusing now into this idea of priorities. Look at what Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 33, Jesus speaking. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For all, after all, uh, all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth, that you have need of all these things. And of course the verse we all know and love to quote, but oh, it's true. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus is saying very clearly, make him the priority. Make Jesus the priority in your life. 
and He will take care of the rest. And I imagine tonight we could go around the room on testimonies of people that would say, yeah, when I make Jesus first in my life, He takes care of me. He's come through for me every single time. Another way to say this is that when we keep our values aligned and in proper order, which is God first, more gets done, more is accomplished, than when we are out trying to spin our wheels and make it happen on our own without God. And that's just an absolute truth. When we relinquish, listen to this, this is the key. When we relinquish time as a possession of our own and view it instead as a gift arising from the generosity of God, the days of our lives suddenly become more meaningful. And we live more intentionally. And we live with proper Priorities. Time is a gift. Our life is a gift. And we're accountable for it. So tonight, as I, as I begin the slow descent into the conclusion, let me just give you three steps that I think you can use and you can take away from this tonight to live more intentionally, to live on purpose, to number your days. Here's some things you can do. There's overlap here. They're not... They're by no means scientific or perfect, but they get at the concept and they get at the idea and they, I think, bring clarity into action steps of what we can do. Three steps. The first one is this. Choose to live every day with a sense of purpose and urgency. Choose to live every day with a sense of purpose and urgency. Psalms 39.4 Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days. What it is that I may know how frail I am. The psalmist is crying out, God, give me perspective and let me know what the end of my days is so that I may know how frail I am and that I can make them count. It's important to view ourselves and our lives from a telescope of eternity and to, make our, and to uh, invest our lives with urgency and with purpose. Here's another, just a little, just a little tad of, of maybe of morbidity here, but it's useful. It may be useful to you to ask yourself, what if I only had 30 days to live? What if I just, if I knew uh, I, the measure of my days was just 30 days left? What would you start doing? What would you stop doing? How would you spend those precious days? Who, with whom would you spend those precious days. Here's a challenging question for you. Would you spend less time on social media and more time connecting in real life meaningful relationships? Would you work less overtime? Would you do more for the kingdom by being actively involved in the ministry of your local church? In other words, would you get involved? We've, we've had some conversation in the last few days among some in the leadership team, it seems to be across the board, at least in our American culture, that, that, that involvement in church service, volunteering for the kingdom of God, seems to be at an all-time low. It, it seems harder and harder to get folks to come on board and help move ministry forward. And I'm going to tell you why I think it is. I think it's because we're so busy chasing other things. We're chasing achievements. We're chasing achievements for our kids. We're chasing bank account and jobs and promotions and overtime and all those things. 
And, 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 to, and to just say it another way, we're, we're chasing things for which we are trading our life for. So what are you trading your life for? You trading it for things that are eternal? Or are you trading it for things that don't matter here on earth? Live with a sense of urgency and purpose. Secondly, put first things first. That's one of Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people. And it's certainly a habit of a highly effective Christian. Put first things first. There is a danger in adapting the values, priorities, and lifestyles of the world around us. Stop, pause, reflect, contemplate, meditate, and make sure that your values and priorities are what matter most to you, but they matter most to you because you've looked at them through the grid of the Word of God and through eternity. Make sure the things you are chasing are the eternal things and are the important things. Don't put off focusing on the people and the principles that really matter most to you. It's not easy. That's not easy to do. I struggle with this. I, I try. I, I truly try to do these things. And some weeks I'm more successful at doing them than others. There's some weeks where it just seems like when Monday morning comes, it, it, it's like just grab a seat and hold on. Here we go. And then all of a sudden it's Friday again. But we, we all need to strive for this. We need to try for it because... Even if there's times in, where you're not successful at it, by trying to, by pursuing the, the, the disciplined pursuit of, of alignment, you'll at least achieve at some level. You'll at least get there. I don't think there's anybody that's perfect at any of this. But at least by trying to implement it, you'll get there at some level. And then finally, uh, th this theme has already uh, woven its way through what I've already said, but, but with a sense of urgency... First things first, and then finally focus on the eternal. Focus on the eternal. And where I take a little nuance from what I've already said prior here is that somebody accurately said the temporal shouts, but the eternal whispers. The, the, the mundane, the everyday, our, our, uh, the, uh, the urgency of our lives shouts at us every day, but the eternal only whispers. And so it takes, it takes intentionality to listen to the voice of eternity. Lately, lately I've been sounding a lot like my father and I guess it's okay since I'm at least self-aware enough to know that that's who I sound like. My dad used to come in and he'd say, turn it down, it's too much noise, it's too loud, the whole world is so noisy. And here we are. I guess it's a sign that I'm getting old. I guess it's a sign that I'm at the two-thirds point. But I walk in and I'm like, why is the world so noisy? Why are we addicted to noisy? And I could, be, I, could be, I could be criticized for that. I know. I know I'm getting old. It's, it's okay. Young people, you can still listen to your music loud. It's all right. But one thing is certain. We will never hear God's voice or live with eternity in view if we don't take time to slow down and to get quiet long enough to hear what he has to say. doesn't mean we have to walk around with a vow of silence. I'm not saying that. But we do have to carve out time to listen, to listen. You're never going to hear it just bopping through life and just going with the flow. We have to slow down and listen to the voice of God. Let me make these, these final comments. Compared with eternity, life is extremely brief. Compared with eternity, life 
is extremely brief. And I love this. Your identity is eternity. Your homeland is heaven. And we must focus our attention on home. We're sojourners. We're passing through. We can't get, we can't get too wrapped up in this life. Can't get too wrapped up in chasing dreams of this world. Our destination is another world. Our destination is home. Would you stand with me tonight? Final verse. And I'm concluding on this. Came across this verse just the other day. And I, I, in, my, in my place in life, this, this 44 years I've been on this earth, with whatever remainder I have left, this verse has become my prayer. This is my prayer. And may it be your prayer as well. Psalms chapter 20, verse 4. He writes, May God, may He grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. That's my prayer tonight. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me. That with whatever time we have left, God will grant us the mercy and He will grant us the leadership to fulfill our purpose. So that when we do get to the end of our days, that we can look back and say, you know what? I spent the time that I had wisely and I made it count for eternity and I fulfilled my God-given purpose. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, we are so thankful for your word. Lord, and it, it does call us into account. It does cause us some time to take pause and to be sober. Lord, but tonight I hope that we ended in such a way as to inspire faith and in such a way to, to inspire that pursuit of your purpose in our life that every one of us would find that God-given reason that we are placed on this earth and that we would not come to the end of our days until we have achieved it, until we fulfill it. Lord, give us the wisdom to number our days. Give us the wisdom to pursue your purpose and to make it count in the light of eternity. And we give you the praise. We stand forever grateful in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you tonight, Grace Church. You are dismissed. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Be blessed tonight in Jesus' name.